When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Stars Matter, a recruiting podcast from The Athletic. I'm Mitch Light. He's Ari Wasserman. Ari, we've gone back into the guest well today. It's a, uh, can I call you a young man, Bill? He's a young man that you're familiar with. You you, you know his work well. Covers Ohio State football for The Athletic. Bill Landis. Ari, say hi to Bill. Bill, say hi to Ari. Hi, Ari. It's nice nice to meet you. What's up, Dollar B? How are you? It's good to have you on. Great. Very honored to be on a podcast with you. I've always wanted to do that. You know, appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, um, it's good because now we're actually going to record the argument that we had while on the phone regularly last <laughs> week. It's going to be good. Um, yeah, no, this is good because Bill is a uh, he's a likes recruiting. I believe he likes recruiting. Acts like he likes recruiting. Knowledgeable about recruiting, but there's sort of an Ohio State twist, Ohio State angle that we want to talk about. But we're gonna we're gonna hit on everything today. Um, let's dive right in. Okay, Ari, last week you had a hot take. Ohio State 2023 class is going to be garbage, I think was your Why word. Why is everything uh, that I say all the time, everybody calls it a hot take? It's an analysis it was, of the situation. It's not a hot take. I know. Do you think it's a hot so take? It was It was lukewarm. It was toasty. Because there's precedent set that they've had elite classes back to back to back. So let me set this up for the people who did not listen. Which was nobody, week. but you should still do it. Yeah, yeah. of course. The, the premise being that this is not an elite year not a great year for in-state talent in ohio um there's only two top 100 players in the 2023 class now part of that is because sunny styles has reclassified and would have made that a a five-star who's now in the 2022 class um and i i got some more numbers here i'll go over in a minute but in in, so so okay the floor is yours all right how much of the general present the 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 general position that i had premise is that because it's a weaker year in Ohio, because there isn't a five-star prospect that fell out of the sky like Jack Sawyer in this year's class, and because there's exciting new head coaches in every single important geographical region that Ohio State recruits, that it's going to be much more difficult in the 2023 cycle for Ohio State to sign a class that was as good as the last two years. I'm not saying they're going to sign a shitty class. I'm not saying that they can't recruit anymore. I'm just saying if they are to sign a class that features 12 to 15 top 100 players like they have done the last few years, it's going to be a lot harder. It's going to be a tougher a tougher cycle, and it would not surprise me if they fell into the 5 to 6 range this year just based on the circumstances that currently surround them. And yeah. it's just uh, like, like, it's analysis. Yeah. It's not a hot take. I could be wrong. It's just looking at the, the situation and trying to be insightful you know, as the number one Ohio State defensive. homer I thought in it was the history a of the take. planet. It was, you don't have to get defensive. No, I'm no. not being defensive, but everybody always says that I have hot takes and I just don't feel like my my takes are I – like, I feel like I'm reasoned with the way I think. Okay, you, I'm, are, I'm, you are well, after the fact. Yes. Let's, um, did I spew it like a little the, bit hard? No, that's why, that's why it's, you're, you're good on the podcast is because you get worked up 
and you the, the takes tend to be a little toasty, and then sometimes you backtrack just a little bit. I think your your analysis right now is a little bit softer than it was last week. A few numbers, then I want Bill to chime in. This class from in-state compares to the 2020 class. There were six um, top 100 players and only one five-star in that class. Ohio State was fifth nationally, but the key in that class, they had two five-stars from the state of Texas, other top 100 guys from California, Washington, New Jersey, and Missouri. And Ari, I believe your point is it's going to be more difficult for them to get some guys from Also, Texas the 2020 class is, is considerably worse than the last two. True, true. I was just looking at in-state numbers. Yeah, so, yeah, but that's. A, um, I think it's a good comparison. But like, if they signed yeah. the 2020 class again this year, that's what I would be more in line to believe is going to happen. I just gotcha. don't think they're gotcha. going to sign a Texas A&M class this year. And, and then, Bill, I want you to um, chime in here. But how much of this is the fact that they're probably also not going to sign Aria a five-star quarterback? Like, that's been an anchor of their class in recent years. Does that factor into Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, it, it did, that didn't, but I think that's all part of the same stew. I, I, I don't know. Um, the thing that really factors into it, and I understand that Sonny Styles would have been in this class, but reclassified and signed in 2022. There isn't a five-star player in the Columbus area like there's been multiple times uh, in the last five years, right? So just having that, that that anchor in your class that you can sign early and kind of, you know, has takes way less work to get than it would be if he lived in Texas or California. You know, as it pertains to average player rating, I think it's a huge head start that Ohio State doesn't have this year. And again, if you want to have a discussion about, well, Sonny Styles is in the program, who cares what class he signed? I'm all for it. That makes 100% sense to me. I don't care when a player joins. It's the same thing that we said about Quinn Ewers when he reclassified from 22 to 21. Like, it's just he got in the program. That's the goal. The recruiting rankings are secondary to getting the kids in the program. I get that. But I'm just talking specifically about where Ohio State's class will rank a year from today. And without that in there, I think it's going to be a lot more difficult. Uh, for them. And listen, I've been around Ohio State long enough to know that they're very good at recruiting. And if Ryan Day goes and gets seven five-star prospects and they're all from states outside of Ohio, that wouldn't be the most shocking thing in the world because they're very good at it. I would just would be very, it would be the most impressive uh, recruiting job that I think um, maybe probably since, uh, maybe probably <laughs> since Ryan Day kept Ohio State's, uh, was it the 18 class or the 19 class together when 19. he first started? Um it's just the circumstances are tougher this year. And like Lincoln Riley's right. the head coach. And yeah, let, let's let Bill talk. He's, he's ready, yeah, he's ready yeah. to this, we, We've been very poor hosts here. Our guest hasn't really spoken yet. Bill Landis, the floor is yours. No, I've just, I've just enjoyed listening. Um, I, I don't disagree with, with most of what Ari said here. I, th- I think uh, I, I took exception with some of the stuff on the last episode because it felt like, it felt like a little doom and gloom to me. Like, like this is the end for Ohio state. And like, listen, it could be, I don't think it is. Um, but with what Aria said here, I think has been a little more measured and, and I tend to agree with, with most of it. I do, I do think it will be more difficult to assemble a class that looks anything like the last two, at least in terms of average player rating, because there's not that, um, bedrock of, of, you know, five-star prospect or even like high end four-star prospect in the state of Ohio this year. Luke Montgomery is a top 100 player. Um, Joshua Padilla will be borderline. I think Malik Harford at the end will be will be borderline. He's actually risen quite a bit um, recently. I think he was like a almost like in the three hundred or almost in the three hundreds, and now he's like top one seventy. So I think he'll keep rising. Um, so and there's just not that depth of quality in the state of Ohio. So I, I think that's right. Um, 
I guess what I'm not super, or I guess what I wouldn't be super nervous about from an Ohio State perspective is like all these new coaches and new places because I feel like it's happened before and it hasn't mattered much. And, and Ohio State's been really good at, at finding pockets to attack, and I think they'll do it now. And the current landscape with the new coaches in Florida and, and Lincoln Riley in California and Texas and Texas A&M, I guess having a little more juice, like hasn't altered Ohio State's plan at the moment. I guess it could alter the results. And if the results change, then maybe the plan will change. But um, I think Ohio State is going to remain as competitive in those areas as it has been over the last few years um, because it has a lot of things that those other programs can't sell, which is they get to the playoff more than they do. They develop NFL players more than they do. And I don't think that's changing anytime soon. So um, I still think while it will be more difficult for Ohio State to, to, maintain its current recruiting trajectory i think they're going to do it like i would i i don't i think i'd be pretty shocked if they didn't did you do um a and i'm sorry if i missed it uh i'm on paternity leave and i still make time for mitch so i'm like but did you do a uh a big board of ohio state's 23 board yet not yet but i have like a lot of it offhand okay um because i would love to look at that and you know I, i think that you could probably just assume a few of them but Nobody, and I hope, like, and I, I get it, like, I have a tendency to black out and, like, get super passionate, and then maybe I say things a little bit harsher than I mean them, and that's gotten to me in, in trouble in the past, but, you know. Is it like Will Ferrell and the debate? Yeah, that's how you debate. School? That's, that's yeah. how you debate. Um, that's obviously also one of the funniest scenes in the history of movies, I think. Like that. My favorite movie. Bill and I talked about this the other day on Slack. It might be my favorite movie of all time. James. Ari, did you know that Mitch used to have a party at his house called Mitchapalooza? <laughs> did you really? Yeah. At the end of uh, <laughs> for Athlon, our college football mags, the production cycle, like we worked so hard for about six week period. And then when we were done, I'd have the staff over for a party called Mitchapalooza. Did people have to call you the was, godfather when they came over? <laughs> some, did, some did. But the funny, like we hired He's some. a very successful, very disease free man. Sitting <laughs> by the minibar. We, we hired um, like. Not me, but some vice president, some lady came in and she obviously wasn't familiar with old school. So, like, we kept promoting this party, Mitch Palooza, and she just thought I had this huge ego that I was naming a party after myself, <laughs> that it wasn't from old. I don't think she was in the target audience for uh, old school. So, um, hey, you never know. We could, we could, you know, if Ari makes it, ever makes it over to Nashville, we could, you know, re- reinstate uh, Mitch Palooza. So, if you look at the top of their big board bill, um, Tell me if you think I'm wrong on any of these names, but Carmani McLean, I'm sure he's he's up there, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and do we think they're going to get a quarterback this year? Do you think they're still going to try to recruit one? Yeah, I think they. I think I think the guy that they really kind of had their sights on was Jackson Arnold, and then he committed to Oklahoma. So I'm not entirely sure what they're going to do now. They're still on Dylan because they can't get guys from Texas anymore. That's right. Nico Iamaliva from California. Um, and then Dante Moore is like a five-star in Detroit who's kind of up there. But they've not – it's funny. I wrote a story like in the fall that Ohio State recruits the quarterback position more aggressively than anybody. And like this cycle, they're not recruiting it aggressively at all. It's kind of interesting. Uh, so you were wrong? Yeah, it turns out I was wrong. Uh, no, I, I think that uh, you, if you look though, you know, Caden Proctor, Des Moines, Iowa, I don't know where they stand because of – you know, how things went in the last cycle with the other five-star prospect that was on their roster. Um, they're not in his top seven. Yeah. Oh, they're not? Oh, wow. Brandon Innes. Uh, big-time target. Big-time target, Fort Lauderdale. And it's like Mario Cristobal's there. You know, I'm looking at uh, Richard Young, a five-star running back from Florida. Like, a lot of it is Florida, I've noticed. Like, they're heavy, heavy, heavy in Florida. And, uh, like, Ohio State has always 
been in Florida, but it has kind of fluctuated like this. And I think it's kind of an interesting dynamic because this seems like it would be the worst time to go into Florida, right? Because Alabama owns Florida right now. You have Mario Cristobal, who's a fierce recruiter at Miami. Um, and apparently now, like Miami is kind of driving the bus for Dante Moore now that Josh Gaddis left Michigan, which I think is going to be an interesting thing to kind of to, to kind of track. And then, of course, I think that uh, you know Billy Napier at in Florida accomplished more in two months from a recruiting progress standpoint than Dan Mullen did in his entire career. So, what is your take on why Ohio State's in Florida this much? And do you think that they will be as successful as they expect to be, or do you think it will be? infinitely more challenging than it usually is for them when they've gone down there. Yeah, I'm interested to find out. I, I don't, it's, it's weird to me. Like they, they had a couple cycles, like they've always been in Florida, like since, since like John Cooper, like Ohio state's always had a nice presence in Florida um, for most, for the most part. But then they had a couple years recently where they didn't take anybody from Florida. I think like in 20 and maybe in 20 and 21 or 19 and 20, I think they had one or none. Um, guys from Florida and in the last class they took three in 2022 and this year to your point like if I were to <clears throat> if I were to rattle off like the the top 10 guys on the board I would say that like six of them are probably in Florida at least six of them are in Florida um, and I don't really know why that is it's not like they made like a new hire that has geographic ties to that region that like put them put them in there I just think maybe while I think Billy Napier and Mario Cristobal are going to do a good job down there, there are transitions happening. So I don't know. Like if I'm Ohio State, I don't know if I view that as like this is a time to pull out because those guys are going to have the juice down there, or this is a time to attack it because no one really knows what to make of those two programs at the moment. And if they're good, like that window could close. So um, I think maybe it's that, and, and mm -hmm. that's why they're so heavy in Florida. Um, I think some of it too is like positionally, like Brian Hart, like can go recruit anywhere. So like he's going to go try to get Brandon Innes, and he's trying to go to go get. Carnell Tate, who's at IMG, but he's actually from Chicago, I think. Um, there's a couple other guys down there. I think he's on, like, Tony Alford can go anywhere. He needs a big time back, and, like, their probably top four targets at running back are all from Florida. Um, so I think it's it's a combination of things, but if I had to guess, it might be that they sense a little bit of a window here before the Gators or, or Miami might maybe take off a little bit to, to – I don't know, have one last like monster class out of Florida. And it also helps too that there's 22 top 100 players in the state of Florida in the cycle. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'd imagine like this particular st cycle in Florida is sh very strong compared to past years. Yeah, yeah. So, I'm, gonna, I'm actually going to look it up right now. I want to know what they were last year. But the thing about Florida is that like it's so easy just to be like, well, Florida and Miami and to a certain extent, Florida State are, but it's like going into Florida isn't like, a one-way ticket to battling Billy Napier and Mario Cristobal, too. It's a one-way ticket to, like, taking on Alabama even more than Ohio State usually has to, which I think is going to be a very interesting thing. It's like, for whatever reason, and I don't know if this is just perception or reality, you tell me, but Ohio State, for the way that they've been recruiting um, the last few years, seems to not run into head-to-head -head battles with Bama all that often. They like, you know, Alabama is always, like, in the mix because of the type of player that these guys are. But, like, I just don't recall a lot of top two choosing between Ohio State, Alabama scenarios. And I'm wondering, is that a road you want to go down if you're Ryan Day? And do you think that's what Florida means for Ohio State this year? That's a good question. I don't know. It is. It, I, I feel like they tend to go head to head like much more with Notre Dame and Clemson. Clemson yeah. And maybe a little more recently, Georgia. But, they're, yeah, for. I know that you know you you did a big piece with our buddy Doug Lee Maurice about Ohio State versus Alabama, and uh, obviously a major part of that was recruiting. And like, 
I, at the time I did think it was like worthwhile to dive into that, but like it never really materialized. Um, there, there are the, the one-off instances like Ohio state, I think thought it was going to get JC Latham and then JC Latham went to Alabama. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's not been, I feel like I can count on like one hand the last few years, like the, the legitimate head to head Ohio state, Alabama recruiting battles that have happened. Um, and what's crazy is, is like, this is also interesting too. Like when you start talking about like str- strategic stuff, I don't know if you know this, but like Alabama also has 11 top 100 players in that state this year, which is, yes, I think, a it's, lot. It's got to be the best year ever in Alabama. Yeah, like it's like it's like the, the most that I can era. ever remember. And I'm very curious to see how Alabama attacks the cycle just from that standpoint. Like if Alabama takes eight of those 11, then like maybe some of that that danger of of going nationally without your home base um, is alleviated a little bit because there's less Alabama out there. You know what I mean? Like less Ohio kids, more Alabama kids. Alabama stays local. Ohio State has the door open to go a little bit more deeper into Florida than they would have last year. You know, like it's all kind of, you know, balances yeah. and scales, right? But I, it's just like if you're Alabama, do you just automatically go in? I mean, obviously Auburn can't recruit themselves out of a paper bag right now. So like what <laughs> it's like a free reign like that. That to me. It's free reign for Bama to kind of just be like, okay, we're going to take 10 of you and then we'll go from there. Which is like, that's been Ohio State's existence sometimes. I mean, not quite to that level. It's been, I don't know the last time Ohio State's had quite that many top. I don't think that they've ever had. Ohio is a little bit overrated in their, in their talent depth. Uh, But it's just such a bigger state population wise. I mean, yeah, I'm not saying, I'm not saying that the players aren't good or the ones that come out of it aren't good. I'm saying that like they're usually also evaluated differently. Yeah, that's, that's also part of it too. And I think that's like. That's like because there's more camp circuits in the south than there are in the north. And I think that anybody from the south is automatically viewed from a different lens. But Ohio State's never gotten 10 guys out of Ohio that were all top 100 players. I don't think that's ever happened unless it was pre-Trestle times. Um, But they usually have five, right? Five, I think, would be the average. It's been a while since they've had that even quite that many. Um, And like it's part of it's like population shifts and stuff like that. And I, I do think... The, the Sunny Styles reclassifying changes the, the landscape, obviously, but even the idea that there's only like one or two other potential top 100 players in Ohio, I think, is is going to be an outlier this this cycle. I think I think more often than not, you can expect yeah, closer I, to four I, or five. I misspoke earlier with my notes. Um, 2023, I think I said seven top 100 guys. It's seven blue chippers, four or five, four or five stars, two top 100. In 2022, 13 blue chippers, four top 100. 2021, nine and four. 2020, six and one. And then 2019, when oh, you, you guys obviously followed this closely, but in 2019, there was 13 blue chippers and three five stars in the state. And that's when Ohio State had a their class was 14th. Was that there's class a legitimate correlation in what you yeah, said? Yeah, there was only 17 guys in that class. There's a there's a correlation between what you said. I think for the most part, and this is just off memory because I think I know Ohio State's classes by heart. But the higher Ohio talent, the higher the rankings have tended to be, right? Like, did I get that right? Not that that's I mean, not like in, inventing an atom or anything, but I mean, it just Although like, the 2019, the one with 13 blue chippers, they were 14th, but as Bill just said, that was a, yeah, it was a, a light class. A very 17. light class. And that was also the yeah. year that Urban resigned, which probably didn't help. So, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I, I guess maybe my tone was a little bit more aggressive. Sometimes I get mad. I don't know why. Uh, it was a, the premise was... But I think the premise is... It was a smart premise. Yeah, yeah. Maybe my tone is the reason why people think I'm a hot take artist, but... No, I do I do think it is. Like, um, I'm excited to, like, kind of dig in on that and, and just, like, observe it over the next few months because I do think you're... I do think they're... 
there's a different dynamic to assembling this class than I think there has been in past years. I think I definitely think that's a fair take. And I, I also wonder too, Bill, if not adjusting to it is the same off the field issue that they did with their defense after the Bama game. Where it's kind of like, well, it's working. We're just going to stick with it. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Like, if it, you know, Mark Mark Bantoni is often regarded as a genius. We did the <laughs> the uh, anonymous recruiting coordinator rankings, and he was picked as the number one recruiting staffer in America. Um, when I interviewed people's peers, the peers in that position, but I think that also being brilliant means adjusting before something bad happens. And I like wouldn't be shocked if like they finished number eight and they had twenty two kids. And their average player ranking took a dip, and it was just like, why, like, did they do this right? You know, like, and Ohio State's been prone to not actively changing things until they have to. All right, let's. Uh, we mentioned Notre Dame earlier as a chief rival, often in recruiting. Ari, what have we talked a lot about? Whenever there's a mailbag question, good classes, but the lack of elite players. Well, Notre Dame's 2023 class, five top 100 players right now. Ranked number one. Their 2022 class ranked seventh, had one top 100 player. 21 class ranked ninth, had three top 100 players. So clearly, and they got uh, Preston Zinter, a four-star linebacker, dipped into that Massachusetts pipeline, um, stolen away from Michigan, I guess. No, but uh, that four-star linebacker. So Ari, clearly, you know, we'll find out about Marcus Freeman, the actual coach, but it's four. They're four top 100 players. They've got four top 100 yeah, players? Which I thought they had five. It's four. Uh, okay. Well, they have five so, in the top 105, so I guess basically they Okay. Do, Maybe yes. it mo- actually could have moved since I did this. Uh, so it moved, uh, clearly, Jerry. Uh, it moved. Yeah. <laughs> clearly uh, off to a good start. Oh, yeah. I mean, for sure. Like, if, if Notre Dame ends this class with 10 players in the top 120, then, then that is like the shift that uh, needed to happen, right? Like, Marcus Freeman is like a god. And if, if Notre Dame signs four classes in a row that have 10 top 120 players in it, then I think my in general perception of what that team is changes. Need to get the quarterback position right. And maybe they did. I mean, they got a five-star in their roster right now who played quite a bit last year. So, you know, who knows? And um, Arkansas got a four-star edge rusher um, from uh, Quincy Rhodes from Arkansas. They have the number three class right now. But the thing that they've got um, – this year in Arkansas, there are three top 500 players from the state. They got all three. Last year, there were five top 500 players from Arkansas, and they got all five. Obviously, it's not a great great state for local talent, but they're doing what they need to do. They're basically getting every top 500 player from the state. Love that. Yeah, love that for them. And for a while there, didn't Texas A&M have a really good pipeline in Arkansas for some reason? Yeah, I think two, three years ago. I think at the end of the day, one of their top commits ended up flipping to Arkansas. I'd have to look it up, but... Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, they absolutely have to protect the turf. Um, and then Texas Tech got another commitment. Um, they have 13 commitments, all from in-state, two top 200 guys. So Baylor and Texas Tech continue to lead lead in, uh, in, in total commitments. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped. 
The scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Guys, one thing that... Um I'm a. I, I call myself a loyal listener to to, to, to your Ohio State podcast. Um, Will you say it by name, please? Uh, four to six with A and B. Thank you. Thank okay. you. Cross promotion. Cross promotion. Okay. One thing that you guys talked about, I might have been a couple months ago that I thought was interesting about Burger King breakfast. Uh, no, the pizza, <laughs> the emergency pizza. I thought that was actually interesting. Mm. Um, and how Bill went and, to the store with an ice storm and then came back with like tortilla chips that were gluten free or something. <laughs> Get out of here. <laughs> Um, the, the, <laughs> how, how, how you build a staff or like how important is it the, the balance between elite recruiters and elite talent evaluators obviously you'd love to get an assistant coach who's just kills it in recruiting and develops players but that's just there's not a lot of guys out there um, and like at a school like Ohio State which it's not fair but it recruits itself a lot more than I don't know um, pick a random you know Michigan State or somewhere like that just a, just another program like Ari, if you're building a staff, how many how many elite recruiters do you need? How, how do you balance that out? I think I like what Ohio. Because I know you guys talked about Ohio State a lot with the offensive line coach and you know all that stuff. So, so how would you build? I that feel out? like I would want. I don't know. Being a CEO of a program would be hard, but I feel like I don't know that I would just say like elite recruiters. I think that I would want people around me who have dynamic personalities. I think that translates well into recruiting. And at Ohio State, the way you hire your hire your staff is a little bit different because, as you said, like the institution and the history and the NFL draft numbers and all the stuff that makes Ohio State great is um, a sales pitch. You know what I mean? It's like if you want to buy a Rolex, you don't care who the salesperson is. You just want the Rolex. It's kind of like the same exact thing, in my opinion. Um, but like the, I think what, what spring this conversation, this question up, is the fact that Ohio State's spending up $1.9 million on a defensive coordinator who doesn't have, not that he isn't a good recruiter, but doesn't have the reputation as an elite level talent accumulator. And like, you have to ask yourself that question of just like, do you want the leader of your defense to be, you know, less dynamic than some of the personalities like Larry Johnson and people on that staff that, that kind of run the show. And Bill, I think said, and correct me if I'm wrong, Bill, that, it's okay to get somebody that is 100% focused on reshaping the defense and the vision and, and the game plan and the X's and O's. You know, and you're talking to somebody here that thinks recruiting is 85% or 80% of the entire coaching responsibility, but the way that Ohio State set, staff is set up is there's a lot of dynamic assistant coaching recruiters, and Ryan Day himself is a very down-to-earth, likable person who does a very good job of recruiting. And if you have two or three guys on your staff that are 100% laser-focused, on refining what you guys are doing and who you are, I think that's okay. You know what I mean? But like at the same time, you might hire a different staff at Michigan State or, you know, Arkansas or some other middle tier power five team than you would at Ohio State because what does Jim Knowles, Ohio State's $1.9 million man, really have to do from a personality standpoint to convince a, a really good defensive back to come play at Ohio State? Pull up a Wikipedia page of the last six years of draft picks, show them his his defense at Oklahoma State and how they almost won the Big Twelve championship, and then go from there. You know what I mean? So, like to me, and if they turn it around on defense this year, he that 
makes his job that much you easier. You know, I, I think that too. It's like we do a lot of time. We spend a lot of time analyzing head coaches about like who's a good recruiter and who's not. And I know that a lot of times that's a little bit short-sighted because assistants have such a huge, you know, role in that. But I think that the personality of a staff is often um, predicated on how maniacal the head coach is about recruiting and, and the demands of being very good at it. So, you know, if I were an athletic director who was assembling a football staff, I would find a maniacal head coach who wakes up in the morning and calls recruits before pouring a bowl of cereal. And then I would let him assemble a staff. But, you know, Bill, I, I mean, what do you think of Ohio State's approach here? I mean, do you think that they they got it right so far? Or? Yeah, I think I'm okay with the general idea of the the coordinator on either side of the ball maybe not being the, the rock star recruiter. Um, and that's the case with Ohio State's defense. But, you know, Ohio State's offense is weird because, like, Ryan Day is the offensive coordinator. Um, even though he doesn't have a title, every every assistant uh, has a title that would lead you to believe that they call the plays on Ohio State's offense. But Ryan Day is actually the one that calls them. Um, but I think in general that setup is pretty good. If you have dynamic position coaches who kind of do a lot of that legwork, and then the coordinator can sell the vision for the defense and putting guys in good spots and that kind of stuff, I think I think that works. Um, but I do agree. I, I think it's really hard now to not have that dynamic guy as a head coach. I think maybe in the past you could have gotten away with just sort of having like a culture setter, culture setter, like kind of hard ass coach who, you know, runs a tight ship, but isn't the most out there personality. And I just don't think like if you, if you want to compete at the highest level of college football, I don't think you can have that anymore. I think you need a, a head coach who, like you said, is, is thinking about recruiting when he wakes up in the morning. Doesn't I mean he has to like it, but he has to appreciate the importance. Just describe Brian Kelly. <laughs> yeah, no, I think, I mean, and, and, Maybe maybe he's changing because he's doing those dances on Twitter now. I, I, I don't know. But um, Brian Kelly, does. while I think he is a good coach and has obviously had a lot of success, he does not fit the profile of recruiter that I would want as my head coach in this day and age. Well, Chip Kelly's the poster child for that right now. 100%. Yep. Um, Chip Kelly just doesn't seem to give a shit. Right. Is it ego? Like, I don't my, need to. My stuff works. Doesn't matter which players I get. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it could be. I mean, yeah. It worked at Oregon. It's not working great at, at UCLA. Um, you know what's crazy? I, go ahead. I know the recruiting coordinator at UCLA, and that dude is insanely, insanely on the ball. I wonder if he gets frustrated. I don't know. Um, I haven't asked him that, but he. Yeah, what do you just? What do you think of your boss? Just ask him that. Well, he can ask me that. <laughs> um. <laughs> Who was the I'm guy though? Boss. I do wonder, like the, because if you if you have that dynamic, maybe it can work even if the head coach is not is not a rock star. Like who's the guy that LSU hired? Um, who's going to like go kick down all the doors in Louisiana? He was at like a, at a smaller school, and Brian Kelly hired on the come be on his staff. Oh, wasn't the uh, Corey Raymond? The, the, yeah, Corey the Raymond. Yeah, was, yeah. No, no, yeah, not Corey. Not Corey Raymond. No, no. Um, Corey Raymond was their DBs coach. Yeah. Oh no, the high um, school coach that used to coach at LSU, and they got brought they brought him back. Yes, I can't. And he went to A and M. He's been everywhere, like around the SEC. I think he's been at Ole Miss. It's not Thomas, is it? Whatever. Um, all right, we've we've been talking for about thirty-two minutes or thirty minutes, and we have not brought up. We've used the term NIL, but um, Frank Wilson. Frank. Oh yeah, Frank Wilson, UTSA head coach. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was great recruiter. His first go around. Well, there. make your point, Bill. What were you going to say about that before we? Oh, sorry, I didn't we mean to, I didn't mean to cut you off, but he was going to make a point, and I think it's a good one. No, just like to have like if if you're going to be 
the Brian Kelly type in quotes, I guess, when it comes to recruiting, if you have that kind of guy in your staff, I suppose that could make up for it. Is as I was getting at. Like, it's also we, reputation too. Like yeah. just like Nick Saban, I don't think anyone says he's got this great personality, but he's just so well respected, and it just. It's you know what Nick Saban's personality is? It's the six rings on his table. No, I think yeah, Nick Saban exactly. is very underrated. I think that yes, Nick Saban. Right. No, his personality. I'm not talking about yeah, him. Yeah, no, as a I coach. agree. I, I mean, think that Nick Saban is a very powerful, passionate, convincing human. And I know that obviously Cachet has some rings to do with it, but like yeah. they that video that leaked about him. That you see that video that leaked last year about of him recruiting a kid on Zoom. Did you ever yeah. watch that? Like, I was like, I'd go play. Yeah, for that it was guy. the kid from. Uh, it was the kid from Imhotep Charter. Uh, it's like he knows exactly what to do, like, and he is maniacal about it. Like, I, you know, I, White. I know that like he doesn't make a lot of jokes or have funny tweets or he pretends like all he cares about in his world is football and oatmeal bean pies. But like, it's that I think that guy's <laughs> personality is is a lot more dynamic than he puts on camera. There's yeah, that video just, of him doing that cute, doing a cupid shuffle at someone's party. So like he's he's got the moves too. Yeah, he's always wearing the blazer too. Was it you, Bill, that posted on Twitter maybe a couple months ago about the dynamics of the head coach always having to wear the blazer? Yes. It, without the and then the assistant coaches get to wear the quarter zips. Like that's right. You know, yeah, they get they, it's, they get to be comfortable. Yeah. Uh, so I I would not want to be a head coach because I don't want to wear a blazer. I got to wear my my quarter zips. All right, guys. Um, I assume you read David Ubbins' story on the NIL collectives yesterday. Bill, did you? I did. I, I gave it a, a green thumbs up. Oh, nice, Ari. I know you're on paternity leave and you don't, you know, you don't read everything. Did you read the NIL? Yeah, Dave story? sent me the copy of it before it ran. Oh, wow. I, I had long conversations with them about it. Okay, so I, I just, thought it was tremendous. Ge- yeah, general thought. I'll, I'll share mine real quick and then let you guys go. I think, and Ari, we might have talked about this yesterday. It's like nothing. I guess it was kind of surprising, but it was just I like the fact that it's. There's some organization to it. It doesn't seem like it's the yes, it's the wild, 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 wild west. But there's like there is some organization. There's a method to the madness, and we can see how it really works now, as opposed to before. The one thing that struck me there is the, and I know rules will change there, and is the fact that these two guys who work on the Tennessee Collective, even though it's not part of the University of Athletic Department, that they're actually out visiting recruits pitching what they can do now in theory they're not pitching it only for tennessee but to me that's the part that will maybe eventually get changed so yeah they're not pitching kind of, it to tennessee but the numbers for how much they're going to get paid always seem to be more when it is tennessee yeah like that's what like it's like okay yeah you you can come join this program and it's make not contingent on going to tennessee it's not about it, tennessee it, yeah. but the numbers are always more advantageous for the player at tennessee um, and I think it's great. I The thing that really annoyed me, and I think everybody who listens to this podcast knows, is everybody that was breaking down the analysis of recruiting in, in general was just NIL, NIL, NIL. And nobody had any specifics of who was making what and how it worked or anything. And like everybody was accusing A&M of cheating when, when really like there was no specifics. So like the fact that Ubbin found somebody who was willing to go on the record and, you know, kind of provide some insight into how it actually works, I thought was tremendous. Um also, it begs the question, too, of, A, how long is this going to last before, you know, there's uh, federal legislation about what can be done and how it works? And then, two, um, what's everybody else doing? You know what I mean? And I think that we'll maybe get into that conversation with Bill a little bit about Ohio State, because I do think it's a little bit interesting, too, about, like, um, Brian Schottenstein's role in this whole thing and, like, the Cardale Jones aspect of it, I think, is kind of a, of a fun thing to look at. Um, but I think it's great. I think it's a great story. I think it's a great thing for the kids that are being recruited. And, uh, you know, I 
I would imagine that if Tennessee is doing this, that it's already happening everywhere else too, or if it's not, it will soon. So, um, to me, I kind of like the idea of it better than just like random boosters, just hiring, hiring kids to do Instagram posts for inordinate amount of money. Like the fact that there's some organization to it, I think is kind of a fun thing. And it's like, you're going to see now, you know, boosters and fans who can contribute $5 or $5 million try to raise as much money as possible to get the best recruiting classes ever. And it's going to be like, a, I don't know if this is the right way to look at it, Bill, but like go fund me for your recruiting classes every year. Yeah. kind of. Like, yeah. like which fan bases are most passionate and which ones uh, are most likely to raise the most amount of money. And I think it's an interesting discussion too, because I think in general people in the South and maybe towns like Columbus where they're football crazy, um, you probably will make a little bit more money than if you're like Oregon state. So like, it's going to be, it's going to be certainly interesting to see how this unfolds, but I thought it was a great story. I wonder a little bit if, um, first of all, I think, I think it's great. I think, I think the players should get paid whatever. Um, and I also think it's funny that they're part of the tenor of it seemed to be like surprised that it's happening when like college football has existed in a world for years where deep pocketed boosters will fund a $20 million buyout for a coach. Like, of course they're going to finance recruits coming to their program. They've been doing it now. It's just out in the open. Um, but great. It's great. It's all great. I love it. Uh, I, I do wonder though, like three or four years down the line when the money you invested does not lead to a national championship, are you still going to invest that money? <laughs> and you're yeah, the just, coach. It's like the and thing you, that you said on the phone yesterday, Mitch is like, is, are the pockets unlimited? And I think yeah, for the they, right boosters, it probably is. But also, too, it's just like if everybody's doing it, there's still going to be a hierarchy. But like, like, just, let's say you're, you're three years down the road and your coach has not lived up to expectations. And so it's like the boosters can directly – they already can to some degree, but they can directly affect that coach's ability to succeed because if they stop donating because they want their coach fired, the, rec- the next two recruiting classes are going to suck and the guy's going to get fired. But the thing that people are not understanding is that if Ohio State's doing it and A&M's doing it and Alabama's doing it and Tennessee's doing it, like Tennessee might do it, but when everybody catches up, they're still going to finish with the 16th best class. Yeah, like, the, it's the like, hierarchy it's like, remains the same. Yeah, yeah the hierarchy yeah. <laughs> is going to remain the same. It's not like Tennessee or Knoxville is unique with deep-pocketed boosters who care a lot about their program. You know what I mean? So it's just like maybe... I will pe- say Tennessee is, is probably a lot more and more deep-pocketed than they probably you would think. No, I, I know. I'm Tennessee, sure they are. I think Tennessee. We're, and they're just we're, finally we're, going to now start dipping into that. Like they've yeah. never done it before. <laughs> they've never done it before. Their program's been asked for 10 years and their their boosters had nothing to do with it. Now, I know you. We, we all think the players should be paid and have no problem with it. But the one thing I think rubs some people the wrong way, and I don't love it, is the is the inducements for recruits. Like, I think it's great that Hendon Hooker had a great year. He transferred to Virginia Tech, had a great year for Tennessee. And you know, they use him as an example. He's going to make a ton of money this year. They didn't give him out. I think that's that's wise use of their money. It's the kind of what you said, Bill. It's just the, the, the giving the money to all these recruits that may or may not pan out. It's sort of like in the NBA. Was it years and years ago they had the, the they changed the rookie scale because all these rookies were making way too much money. Now it's sort of like you got, you got to prove it. And I just I think that's where the legislation might but come out. How, how, is, how is giving a random four-star recruit that may or may not ever play any different than making a – spending a bunch of money on Xboxes in a locker room that doesn't help them recruit better. It's not. I mean, that's that's going back, that's probably where a lot of schools so pushed like, back. Because so there's like only X people, amount of money, so now that money's going right to the players rather than the facilities. So when people build. say, I wonder if the money is unlimited, hasn't it always been? 
Well, I don't, I don't know if they, and I'm not a fundraising expert, but schools have these capital campaigns where they might, every three to five years, they might try and raise X amount of money for these next facilities push. This is an every year thing where they need to, and it's only going to get greater. If, if the pool's $20 million this year, it's going to be $27 million the next year. Who's the richest booster in college football? Is it Phil uh, Knight? T. Boone Pickens, T. Boone Pickens and, and Phil dead. Knight probably. There are states. Did, did T. Boone die? Yeah. Should I have known that? Um, Ari, Ari's usually the one on the podcast. I'm usually the one that doesn't yeah. know who's alive. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Phil Knight. Phil Knight's probably the richest one. Um, I'm looking at a list right now of very expensive or very rich boosters. Tim Cook is an Auburn booster and Apple's the, the Apple largest guy? company in the world. Yeah. Really? Did not know that. Yeah. Um, wouldn't it just be crazy? And like, I just want to see, like, honestly, too, like, I don't know if Jeff Bezos is a Washington person, but somebody like that's so un- unbelievably rich where they could just be like, you know what? Come to wa- Washington and I will give everybody in this class $10 million. And all you have to do is post one Amazon picture. Like where it's like, what does he I don't care think about? People third? who have that kind of money are deranged enough that they care so much about. <laughs> yeah. No, I just, I just like want <laughs> one person there. who's deranged. Well, I don't know. Phil Knight's pretty deranged about Oregon, right? He kind of like was the face the entire, like a Phil Knight and Nike didn't exist, Oregon would not be a good program right now, right? Like that's the whole thing. Like if you're yeah, deranged probably. enough to just like go, you know what? I don't know, like if this is a good example, but like Les Wexner in Columbus, like this dude has more money than like he'll. Like one time I. Uh, was on vacation with um, my family on a on a Mediterranean cruise, Ooh. and I Fancy. We, were on, we were on a boat. Yeah, it was like a, my thirtieth birthday. My parents took my family on a Mediterranean cruise, and part of the uh, expeditions are uh, getting on boats and like you know you're on the coast of France or whatever. And then like one time, this like yacht the size of the, the Titanic, like just drove That's by. That's not us. a yacht. It wasn't a ship. It was a huge freaking yacht. Okay, mister, you have to be perfect all the time. It was huge. It was like three times the size of the Wolf of Wall Street yacht. And okay. on the back of it, it said limited brands. You don't know shit about shop. You don't know shit about shop. I'll chop your credit card in half. How about that? Uh, <laughs> and I was just like, holy shit, that's like Les Wexner's boat. And like, I, I know that, uh, you know, there's other people that are that rich. But it's just like, if you gotten into I don't give a shit mode and completely just Oh, yeah? You think that's cute that Hendon Hooker might make a million dollars if he continues to be good? Here's $20 million for every asshole that comes to this, this place. <laughs> and, like, there's no provision about how much work... Are you or calling college football players assholes? No, I'm just... You know you know what I mean, though? There's no provision about, like, how much work you have to do. It's just like America. Some people make a shit ton of money and don't work at all, and some people work really, really hard and make nothing. Like, you know, you just pay somebody $10 bucks and... All he has to do is post one thing or show up to one party. You get 10 million bucks, generational wealth. It's nothing to this fucking guy. And then, you know, this entire this entire recruiting class is just filled with five-star prospects. You just wanted to take 10 mil. Because I always, like, say that, like, if you go to a program for the NIL, it's a, it's a short-sighted decision because how much money you stand to make in NIL pales in comparison to what your rookie contract in the NFL will look like. Well, how Maybe about not. this, Rich Booster? <laughs> Give people rookie contracts to come to your school and just say, screw any single, I like Oregon state could be the best program in America. If there was a rich asshole that was big enough to like, just say, you know what? I'm going to give everybody everyone to be an asshole. You know, I'm just excited. I'm getting excited. Hot <laughs> takes, hot takes. Uh, but you know what I mean? Like just somebody come out here and just throw money around like Jordan Belford off the side of the cruise ship. Oh, sorry. Yacht. Yeah. Fun, fun coupons. 
What if someone wanted to like was just a huge fan? What if Phil Knight wanted like Oregon's soccer team to be just win national championships and just put all of his well, money? He that's what I want. Soccer I want. Team. I want someone to start dropping bags for pistol teams. <laughs> yeah, I Why always not? thought it was pretty crazy that Ohio State's pistol team used to be Army at shooting. Like I was like, that's concerning. they're really good. That's like their best. That's not good. Yeah, like Ohio State's pistol team is better than the United States Army. You guys used to live in Cleveland, right? <laughs> What's the deal that, with – this is a um, – What? No, I, I, they I, went in a competition. There's nothing controversial about we that. We support the troops over here. I'm yeah. not saying I don't support the <laughs> troops. I always thought it was odd. Who would you root for, Ohio State or Army in the in the shooting? I What? <laughs> <laughs> Who did you root you, for, Ohio State root? or Army in the shooting? Uh, no, are we, are, are we, uh, I just remember vividly once getting a gunman? press release yeah. from Ohio State's Athletic Communications Department in my e- inbox that says – Ohio State beat Army in pistol, and I thought that that was weird. Okay, it's called pistol. Not, I didn't know there was. A, it is. It's called pistol. It, I thought it was called. Okay. Um, by the way, you guys are former Northeast Ohio. You lived in Cleveland, right, Bill? I lived in Cleveland uh, for yeah. a year. Yeah. What's with Akron soccer? Did you guys know? Like their men's soccer team is just freaking awesome. It's just so random. To I want to clear this up. I never lived in Cleveland. Okay, I wasn't sure. So, any insight in Akron soccer, Bill? No, I, I knew they were, you know they were I, awesome? good. I did yeah. know they were good. I couldn't. I could not tell you why. I don't. Uh, I've always intrigued by random colleges. That's just so random. That like I awesome. covered. I covered high school sports in Cleveland, and I didn't cover soccer, but I knew people who did. And I also don't recall like high school soccer in Northeast Ohio being awesome. Although maybe it is. Um, but Mark, no, that's kind of weird. Mark Cuban is an Indiana basketball fan. Yeah. Yeah. Oh no, he's a big booster. Um, Why doesn't he start dropping Mavericks money on their seven-person recruiting class? He could have a Shark Tank episode where recruits just come up to him and pitch how good they are. That he decides I would watch that. Would you watch yeah, that? Yeah, that would be awesome. That would be awesome. Though, like five coaches on Shark Tank and recruits come up and they can... And they show their film? Yeah. I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Too slow. Your footwork on the line of scrimmage there was a little bit off kilter, which leaves your leverage to get you knocked on your ass, and for that reason, I'm out. <laughs> All right, this was not a mailbag question, but I don't know. I, I was reading the wait, mailbag. Wait, wait, wait. Okay. I'm so sorry. I, I hate okay. to do this to you. Don't, you, don't have to be, you don't have to apologize. I get excited. But Landis, is mm-hmm. there a story or is there something to look into with this Brian Schottenstein, Cardale Jones, for lack of better words, slush fund? I find it to be fascinating. I bet you if you I, really got into that, you would. I, a lot of people would care. You don't yeah, think? Maybe it makes me a bad journalist. I don't care. It's like if a couple, Brian Schottenstein, whose family has a lot of money, wants to throw some money in the pot, it's like. I don't know. They're asking for donations. People are going to give them money. Ohio State will be on par with everybody else doing the stuff in a year, and like it'll be another thing that we don't talk about. Like, like I think Ubbin's story was really interesting because it kind of pulled back the curtain on how this stuff works. I don't know. You if don't think that there's a, lo- a general uh, interest from every single fan base about what their program is doing to match that? I just think the fact that they're doing it. And the yeah, fact I that there's a very think- recognizable name that's kind of in the mix, too. I don't know. Maybe I think it's more just are you doing it or are you not? And they're trying. So and apparently there's they're not the only one. Like we talked with Gene Smith, the Ohio State athletic director, on uh, Wednesday, and I meant I asked him about the idea of these collectives, and he said he mentioned like multiple that are springing up around Ohio State, not just this one with Cardell Jones and Brian Schottenstein. Why is LeBron James not throwing money at every single Ohio? Because he's not a real Ohio. Because he's not fan. a real Ohio State fan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is that like? Up for debate? Do people question his? He's been a frontrunner his entire life. He no, that if he would have went, went to college, he would have went to Ohio State. I read a story somewhere. Uh, I read a story somewhere. I don't. It was like a year ago. I don't remember who wrote it, but apparently, it might have even been Jason Lloyd. Um, 
But during like LeBron's recruitment, whenever he was in a city near a college, he would wear that college's stuff. Like he was always like knew exactly where he was and knew exactly how to say the right things. Like when he was in smart guy. Yeah. Like Oregon basketball fans were convinced that LeBron was going to go to Oregon for a certain amount of time because he said he grew up loving Oregon basketball. But he was just in Portland for something when he was a recruit. And he did this like nine times. And like he was always just like very complimentary of of like whoever he was around because he just like thought it was good for his image. Yeah. So he's like a Yankees and Cowboys fan. Yankees, Cowboys, and apparently he was a Duke basketball fan in high school. Wow. And like, let's be honest, if Go he would have if he would have been a legitimate recruit that was forced to play in in college for one year, he would have not played at Ohio State. Certainly would not. He would have been at North Carolina or Duke. Without, I'd bet my life on it. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. All right. So I said this was not a mailbag question, but I think something, one of the questions made me think about this. And I think I know Ari's answer. If you could have any coaching job in the country from a recruiting standpoint among teams that have yet to make a single playoff appearance, what would it be? Layup. Candidates, Florida State, they didn't make the playoff, did they? They didn't make it the first year. They made it the first year. Okay, my bad. Okay. Texas. Penn State, USC, Florida, A&M, Auburn. Miami. Ari's is obvious. I I wanted to make sure that our producer, Mike Zimmerman, got Miami in there. Yeah, Miami. It's a Kane thing. Um, Yeah. You wouldn't understand, Bill. Uh, I think USC is probably the obvious one, right? The thing thing with USC. Not the school that just just signed the number one recruiting class of all time? A&M. Yeah. Uh, maybe because my thing with with USC is, and I wonder this about like Lincoln Riley's program. It's like I don't have any doubts whatsoever that he's going to get similar classes to what he had at Oklahoma, which is like awesome quarterbacks and receivers. Is he going to get the linemen that he needs to actually win a national championship? Because they don't really exist on the West Coast, or at least not in enough quantity that you can just rely on that to be good enough, in my opinion. Well, I um, think that USC has to recruit nationally. That's been my only thing. Yeah, I think so too. But then if that's the case. That maybe someone like an A and M might be better positioned because I don't know if that's exactly true of them. Maybe it is. I mean, look but at A M's class. I don't know if this is just my personality, but a like, lot of good would, defensive linemen in Texas. I want to do eight minute abs and get a six pack. I feel like going to USC, like the the threshold of getting into the playoff, is so infinitely easier than all those other places too. Pac twelve does stink. Yeah, like the Pac twelve stinks. Um, the, and the, the other comp- and the comp- yeah, and the competition for USC to reign supreme in that conference, like, lost their coach. I mean, if, if you had the same roster at Texas A&M and USC. Texas A&M would have walked into the playoff last year or two years ago. 
Well, I'm just saying, like, USC's path to, like, getting to the playoff with the same roster, USC is going to make it eight out of ten times. We're Texas A&M because of who they have to beat. It's just it's maybe it's kind of like the the question is, do you want to beat them now or do you want to beat them later? And it's like, I think I would always want to beat them later. Uh Got to get there to win it. I'd rather just get there. Why do you like the beach so much, Ari? I don't know, but I have a friend named Michael um, and he doesn't like the beach and he lives in Sherman Oaks. And I incessantly make fun of him for spending the amount of money that he spends on rent and all the things that he enjoys about California when he doesn't like going to the beach, I think is crazy. And one of our mentors, Bill and I share a mentor, Doug Lamarice of cleveland.com used to say this. And I thought it was true. He said, if you're going to live in a place that the rent is super high because of a certain thing, then you better do that thing that makes the rent high. So our producer, Mike Zimmerman lives on the Jersey shore. That dude goes to the beach and he fist pumps in bars and has henna tattoos. Like that is, that's what he does. You know what I mean? GTA. I don't like the it? beach. I don't love the beach, and I live eight hours away. So I'm, 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 I'm an official. What is the use closest my, beach to Nashville? Uh, probably Orange Beach, Alabama. Oh Destin. yeah, oh yeah. yeah. Love Orange Beach. You do? Ari and I spent spent a lovely evening in Orange Beach. We, that we went to we had a family trip to Orange Beach a couple uh, summers. Bill ago. and I were reporting a story. We went to Orange Beach, which was an hour and a half out of our way because we wanted to get on the water. We stayed in a Hampton Inn that was right on the ocean, and we opened the door. It's like seventy five dollars. Yeah. It was seventy five dollars a night, and it was like literally right on the ocean. And uh, Bill did an interview uh, on the patio while looking at the mm-hmm. ocean. And I laid on my stomach on the bed and we like sat next to each other while sharing this room, laying on on our stomachs. And we wrote two stories at the same time and filed them to our editor at the same time. And it was one of the best nights of my life. It was great. I wrote about uh, how Ohio State doesn't recruit the state of Louisiana. I don't know what I was writing. Was this for the athletic or is this back in your Cleveland.com days? Back in the Cleveland.com days. Yeah, Yeah. Bill and I went to a a high school in Louisiana that was a powerhouse that had a bunch of talent. Which one? Uh, John Curtis. John, I was going to say John school. Curtis. Yeah, yeah, we went there, and their coach like sat with us for an hour and a half. And this man, Isn't their coach's last name Curtis, for yeah. a while it was. It G- was JT JT Curtis. Yeah. yeah, and he spoke to us for an hour and a half. And I think for that hour and a half, there wasn't a single usable quote. Like, I don't remember like what happened, but like he was just talking in circles, and like we couldn't get him to say what we wanted him to say. And then, like, in, in, like, minute 80 out of 85, he, like, said, and that's why Ohio State's never going to come into this building. And both of us looked at each other and were like, dear diary, jackpot. And then we left, and we both wrote stories, and uh, it did well. But Orange Beach is a great I, – I never – I would always think that if you live in Nashville, you would head east. I, it wouldn't occur to me to go it's, south. It's uh, – South Carolina beaches are a little bit further farther away. Uh, most people go, like, down to Destin, Florida. Um it's maybe like in college we go to Destin. Yeah. Also, airplanes exist too. So, if you but want, it's hard to, go, to fly down there. It's just a pain. Like Pensac- where are you gonna fly? Like Pensacola, you gotta go through Atlanta or something like that. It's just it's it's easier. Just fly to fucking Orange County. <laughs> I spent uh, last year last year between the Sugar Bowl and the national championship. I just didn't come back up north, and I stayed in Panama City, Florida, for like a week. It was great. Yeah, he, yeah he got an extended stay America or something, right? Or like a, a no, Airbnb. I was in the Marriott vacation club. What are you talking? Oh about? yeah, dude, and like the guy was out eating Wawa sandwiches, and it's like tarp was off the whole weekend, just living the dream down there. I've never been more jealous of a human being in my entire life. I had Publix every day; it was great. I love my wife. I love my family. I would do anything to spend a week in Pensacola, Florida, by myself. Yeah, I was. My son was. Uh, <laughs> my son was a Publix employee at the time, so it was 
give Bill some public sub recommendations. Do they have Publix in Nashville? Oh, there's my, there's one like a mile away from me. I had no They're idea. All over the place. Did he bring yeah. home the subs? Yeah, all the time. He was Shit. uh yeah. He might work there this summer too before college too. We gotta get for him. Put the board to work. Um. All right. You guys put ready to play the newlywed game? Yes. Yeah, let's do it. Okay. So I have asked Bill and Ari three questions each about. Well, we have to tell own- them if they're not aware that we're best friends in the entire world and that we love each other. Okay. That's right. Bill and Ari. <laughs> Love each other. They're best friends in the entire world. And we hug. And, and are you going to hug me when we first Oh, yeah. Meet? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, they traveled the beat, the Ohio State beat for years. So I asked them some questions to find out how much they know about each other. And both of us uh, really like driving and road trips. So like yeah. we went on a lot of road trips together to places we probably should have flown. Yeah. A lot of hours um, in the car, a lot of rap music, a lot of junk food. Okay. So, I should have got myself organized better because I'm probably going to screw this up. Bill. Ari, what do you think Bill said is your favorite stop on the Big Ten circuit? That's not how this works. I don't know what he said. You just ask me what, it, right? Like, I don't know what he said. I was going to do both. Okay. Um, well, what do you think, Bill? Should we just ask? Yeah, I think you should ask us our answers and then we'll see if the other person guessed anywhere near right. Okay. So, uh, Ari. What is your favorite stop? My favorite Big Ten stop has always been Michigan. And the reason why is because there's a good pizza place in Detroit and there's casinos and it's just a nice and I like I don't know how you did this, Bill, but I also did it based on like the excitement around the game that we're covering too. Like the trips that I looked forward to. Like I I didn't I only I considered like the two that I that popped in my head were Michigan and Penn State. I I did consider that. I said Penn State because it's typically a big game with a really awesome atmosphere, and I know that's like kind of what you value the most. I did not take yeah. into account that the Michigan game is similar, and also you can go to Greektown. Yeah, I but I also like Penn State was what I typed in first, and then I changed it to Michigan. So you 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 knew you knew where I was at with it. Okay, okay. So my guess for Bill for big best favorite stop in the Big Ten was Rutgers. And I think the reason why is because it's near Philly. He gets a little bit of the flavor town that he grew up on, and he can see his family. Nailed it. Perfect. <laughs> this is this is exactly how it's going to go, too, okay. because I'm going to know everything about him, and it's just going to be like he doesn't give a shit about me. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Ari. Um, what so was my I... favorite meal in Big Ten road trips? Yeah, Bill, what is his favorite meal? Uh, I said the roller food at any gas station between Columbus and wherever you were traveling. <laughs> That's not right. Uh, but also right, I think. But I like tried my best to think about the best meal that we had on the road together at a Big Ten city. Uh, we had a lot of chain restaurants, so like I, it was like kind of a hard thing. This is not a to, chain, right? I've never heard of this place. I think there are multiple locations, but it's certainly okay. only in the place. I've never heard of there. it. That's, that's Pequod's? Yes. Yeah. What type of food is it? It's Deep pizza. pizza. Okay. That was my favorite meal in Big Ten country just because it was hard to nail it down. The one, another one that I really liked was the Machine Shed in Iowa, but I don't think we've ever eaten there together. We did not. Yeah, we've not eaten there together. Okay. Um, my What did you say for my favorite meal? In the Pequod's. Yeah, that's what I put. I like Pequod's, and I also like uh, Stuff Your Face in New Brunswick, New Jersey. Um. Stuff did your you, face. Did you? Yeah, so you wrote str- Pequod's. Am I two for two? Yes, you are two for two. Yes. 
That's true love right there. Look at the look on Ari's face. He's so proud of himself. I'm not proud. I'm hurt. <laughs> no, but like, no, my that, is, that is kind of hurtful. Yeah, when everything you, when Bill's you love saying is absolutely correct. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. It's kind of hurt Ari that you love Bill more than he loves you, but he should be able to get this one right. If I could have this, he might, he was going to say something that I'm like, oh yeah, because there's two things I think he might say and he might get the last question. My final meal. Final meal be if you were like on death row. death row. My answer uh, for Ari was either uh, Spinato's pizza or that chicken cutlet stuff your mom makes that you always talk about. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) My final meal would be Spinato's pizza. So you're correct. Um, This one was hard, Bill, um, because I know what you like. But mine was a high-quality, true Philly cheesesteak on a high-quality roll. Oh, that's a good answer. Um, that is not what I put down. I, I went more specific than that. I said the the pizza at my favorite place in the Jersey Shore, which is yeah, Sam's, oh, Sam's Town. Yeah, Sam, that was yeah. my other thing. Sam's Pizza and Wildwood. Sam's yeah. Pizza, not Sam's Town. Yeah. Pepperoni pie. And it's specific. hilarious that you said that because we were talking to a producer before the show started, and he like lives right near Wildwood, which is where that's at. Yes. Yeah. He, and to uh, take it a step further, no, Bill. No, I don't. Asbury I thought you Park said you live like, near. I thought like you a, said you live right down the road from Wildwood. Asbury Park. Oh, Asbury Park. Okay. Sometimes wow, don't facts. sound so offended. Jesus. <laughs> it's, 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 like, it's like ninety minutes away. Um, and Bill knows that it's not the best pizza in the world, but it's nostalgic because that's what he grew up eating, and then you can't get a nice, true East Coast slice like that anywhere in Columbus. That's right. This is making me jealous. Um, you know, I can't. I can't have real pizza. So I would have. Also, the, the the dish that my mom makes is called schnitzel. Schnitzel, right? And she does she make the egg noodles with it? Oh is yeah, that, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Is that like every time you go home? Is that and I you thought get? you might say filet o fish, which would have been on brand, but oh. like, you know, uh, Spinato's pizza to me is the best food I've ever had. And I don't know, maybe there's a little bit of that nostalgia too with me, like that you have with Sam's. Spinato's um, is is yeah, it's I a quality it's pie. Yeah, in 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 the greater Phoenix area. Oh, we might be going to Phoenix, and the, should we? Uh, hit, hit, we will definitely up? go to Spinatos. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah. Um. All right. Ready for a trivia question? Sure. All right, Bill. You know the deal with this. I do. Yeah. Okay. Dating back. This is for both of you. Sometimes it's tailored to just the guest, but I think it's difficult, and both of you um, can chime in. Dating back to and including the year 2010, Ohio State has not had. The Big Ten's top recruiting class only two times. What were the two teams that had a number one class? What year? And who was the top player in each of those classes? Uh, the top, one, the number one class in the Big Ten? Yeah, and the top player in that class. One would have been Michigan in 2019, right? Yes. Um, Wait, what? I'm not eight. understanding the question. Okay, two times... Dating back to 2010, Ohio State has not had the number one class in the Big Ten only twice. So what were the two teams that had the number one class? Oh, oh. What year and who was the – the hard part is – the real hard part is who was the top player in those classes. So Michigan in 2019, they had the number eight class. Who was the top player? Um, he's five-star. Uh, Rashawn Gary. No, he's much – He was that. 16. Was he like six, oh, 16. 16. Um, I'm trying to think of how many five stars that Michigan signed. Daxton from, Hill. Yes. No, that's from, right. You know where he's from? Uh, Owasso, Oklahoma? No, that's where Josh Rock is from. Tulsa. 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 Yeah. All right. Then the other one. Was it 2016 when Penn State had the number six class? No. 
Ohio State's was higher. In the last 10 years. I barely remember the number one player in this class. Was it 2011? Close. 2012. Urban's first year. Close other way. <laughs> 2010? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Do you know what school it was? <coughs> it had to be Penn State. Penn State? Yes. Number 13 class. In 2010, the number, 2010. the top Big Ten class was number 13. Bill has a better chance of yeah. getting this right Again, than I, I do. I um, barely remember this guy's name. I think I might know who it is. Michael he's from the He's from the, uh, the, the New England pipeline. Oh, sh- oh, yeah. Silas Red. Nope. It had to be Silas Red. He's from Connecticut. This guy's also from Connecticut. I have no idea. Bill? Uh, Silas Red was a top hundred player from Connecticut, and if he's a defensive lineman, uh, outside linebacker came in as an outside linebacker. So you're telling me that there was somebody rated higher in Connecticut than Silas Red in 2010? You sure Silas Red was 2010? I'm 99 sure. Well, you can look him up. On it's uh, I don't. Is it Carry Carry Fort? Kyrie Fort, I think is Kyrie Fort. I don't. I I barely remember that is. Yeah, I would not have. Yeah, I remember him, but I would have. I, you could have given me fifty guesses. I wouldn't got that right. Yeah, he was number sixty-seven. Uh, was four star from Connecticut. Wow, East Coast, uh, East Coast pipeline. That was a classic. Did you, yeah. did you, did you hear, Bill, that that Massachusetts has multiple top one hundred players this year? Yeah, the kid Samson Okunlola, I think is how you say it, the offensive lineman. He camped in Columbus at the Under Armour camp last April, and that kid is awesome. You guys make fun of the Massachusetts pipeline. Ari. I make fun of it. Yeah, it's very. Don Brown very is the head coach at UMass now, so that pipeline's closed. Put, put a fence around it. Um, Ari, would you like to rate our guest's performance? Dude, today? I honestly am like bummed because I thought like, I'm so shitty at these questions and I thought I was going to nail it with Silas Red. Because that was the first year I was a reporter and I remember how big of a deal that was for them. He Where is he from in Connecticut? Hartford or? Um, I think he's from Stanford. Okay. I'm looking Not at it now. Kyrie Ky- Ford is also from Stanford. God, that was tricky. Pipeline. Stanford, Connecticut. Um, oh, yeah. Rob Bolin was in that class, too. Yeah. Quarterback, right? Is he the one that like transferred to LSU? He did transfer. I don't know if he transferred to LSU. Yeah, they he were. Uh, he transferred, transferred to Eastern Michigan. The end of yeah. uh, the end. He of, ended up at Eastern Michigan. Oh yeah. Right LSU. before, right before I went to Penn State, they were they were good. And like my first like two or three years, they weren't bad. But at the end, they were terrible. Where year did you graduate? Two, Assuming you graduated. 2011. 2011. Yeah. Oh, this is right near you. You were a student reporter. You should have been all over the Cary Fort beat. Or no, maybe I have that wrong. When were they bad? Maybe they're bad. Whenever Anthony Morelli was their quarterback, I had to watch that. That wasn't fun. From Pittsburgh? Was he from Pittsburgh? He was from Plum, Pennsylvania. Yeah. Why don't you tell everybody about how you used to eat lunch with Paul Puzlesny, and then we'll get out of here. <laughs> I used to, uh, yeah, where the freshman dorm I lived in was near the on-campus apartments where the football players lived, and we shared a dining hall. Um, and they had, like, their own area for dinner, but for breakfast and lunch, they ate with us common folk. Uh, so when I could, I would try to time it up, and I would get in line behind them for lunch or breakfast and they th- I was a big big guy I am a big guy so they thought I was on the team and they'd give me more food because they thought I was a football player that's good strategy right there yeah that's great alright so you, I've heard mixed thing. I've never been state college if you like 
I'm sure it's a cool college town, but if you like had no ties to Penn State, is it a cool place to live or is it just too in the middle of nowhere? It's know? very in the middle of nowhere. Um, I've thought over the course of my adult life like whether I'd like to go back and live there, and I don't think I would. Um, if I was under the age of 25, absolutely. But um, being in, like an adult person with – yeah, I don't – it's nice, like it's it's in the mountains. It's it can be picturesque. The weather can be a little brutal in the winter, but it is it is quite nice. But in terms of like things to do and proximity to places that are fun to go to, that's convenient. It's it's not great. You know what's crazy is um, when I Bill covers basketball now, but when I was first started at Cleveland.com, I was the basketball reporter for the Plain Dealer, and I had Are to go to the Round Paul. I had yeah, to man. go to all the away games, like all of them. I don't remember if you remember this, Bill, but like the first year that I was, I think you were still on the high school staff at Cleveland.com at that, but they were sending me to every game. And I remember once I drove and it was in February and there was an away game at Penn State. And it was, it was brutal. It was brutal to get, to get the state college from Columbus. And I went the day of the game too. Yeah. You get in those mountains, um, it starts snowing sideways. But so I, I, th- I actually think there is something nice about central pennsylvania i think it's a beautiful place i think the drive though complicated in bad weather is a really pretty drive um and like honestly speaking bill's probably right like now that i'm thinking about it like penn state was probably my favorite trip because like it's uh you know i liked michigan because of greek town and like throw a casino in there but like there's this pizza place also in pennsylvania that i really like that's on campus that you took me to i think is really good it's a sports bar but they had really good pizza what's that place oh, that we champs. went to I think that I think their food is really, really good. It's always the best environment in the Big Ten. It's always a big game. And like there's something like relaxing to me about like the central Pennsylvania mountains. Yeah, it's nice. The reason why I didn't choose Penn State is the honest reason is is because there's never hotels there. Like it you is, can't get a hotel room there and it was where, such where a pain in the ass. Stay? Do you guys know? The visiting teams stay in State College because that's where the airport is. Um but okay. like Visiting. Didn't Ohio State used to hightail it out of there after the game and get back to Columbus at five in the morning? They don't drive. Most, team, most teams fly, right? That's what I'm saying. I thought Ohio State would get on the bus and go to the airport but the and get night back before. to Columbus. Oh, well, the they stay in on, you know, on Friday night. Um, yeah. Yeah, there's a nice hotel on campus, I think, is where they stay called the Penn Stater. But um, if you're visiting, like, as a member of the media, uh, you stay. If you're lucky, you can stay in Altoona, which is like. 45 minutes outside of state college. But I think the last time I went there, I stayed in Bedford PA, which is like almost two hours from state college. Wow. I mean, there were many nights where Bill and I would like leave the press box at like 1230 or one in the morning and have to drive back to Altoona. Yeah. It's always a night game for Ohio state too. It's always the, a night uh, game. Uh, Texas A&M. When I went there, Vanderbilt stayed in the resort, like an hour and 45 minutes away. It's just tech college, uh, Brian state college station. Brian is so small. Um, so it's sort of like that. You can't stay. Yeah. And like the hotel rooms are so limited in state college that even like the fans can't stay there, which I think has always been like, it's pretty crazy to me that they've been able to get the crowds that they get with how many people are passionate and drunk because it's like, I don't know where all these people go when the game's over. Back to their aren't RVs. The, but aren't there only like five hotels in state college? There used to be. There are more like, now. They've built up. It's like $900 a night to stay in a Fairfield in state college. I say that night. like, I don't know. The last time you were, would have been in state college would have been what 2018 mm-hmm. and i i would bet that the number of hotels in state college has doubled since then oh well that's good to like 10 it's still not a lot but yeah all right ari time i want you to evaluate our guests performance today. bill's always a 10 out of 10 that's i love right. him very much five and star five star five oh yeah no question 
Um, we didn't get as saucy as I thought we were going to, but I guess it's because I tempered my uh, my tone. Yeah. But Bill, always appreciate your time. Um, just keep your headphones on because we're going to record four to six with A and B right now. Uh, <laughs> Mitch, great job hosting, bud. Um, the dating game was good. I'd like to maybe get to ten questions. See, yeah, I should come get, up with more questions. You know, but I wasn't um, sure if it was going to work out, so I went. I didn't, you know, yeah, uh, short and sweet. He he obviously uh, knows less about me than I I know about him, but that was to be expected. That's not true. Yeah. Uh, everybody, uh, thank you so much for listening to the latest edition of Stars Matter. Um, hopefully, we got some philosophical recruiting discussion in. A little food, a little grab ass. It's the perfect perfect stew of recruiting. Um, for Mitch, for Bill, I'm Ari. That was Stars Matter, and I stole that ent- exit from Cleveland.com. <laughs>